Hi, you're listening to Reframe Your Life, and I'm your host, Sandy Reynolds. This is episode 102, and I was going to call this episode the lost episode because I haven't uploaded an episode in two months. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that, or a subscriber, you know that I'm usually pretty regular every week, sometimes every two weeks, but I always let you know if I'm taking a break. But this time, some things happened in my life and the podcast just got put aside. But I want to give you a little bit of what happened to me and give you some context for why I haven't been around for a few months. The last episode that I uploaded was at the beginning of April. And it was the same week that my husband was admitted to the hospital with a severe infection in his leg. It came out of nowhere. He was fine in the morning. In fact, he drove for a couple of hours and then wasn't feeling well. I ended up having to go and get him and take him to the hospital. And by the time I got him to the hospital, 12 hours later, he was septic. He almost had his leg amputated and he had a fever of 104 degrees when he was admitted. They couldn't get a blood pressure or a pulse and it was a pretty scary 48 hours in intensive care. He then spent 16 days in the hospital and has been recovering at home for the last six weeks. And he's finally starting to ease back into regular life and into work this week. So to say that our life has been disrupted has been an understatement. It has been an upheaval. And for me, who likes to have things planned and a lot of uh, structure and order in my life, it's been a little chaotic feeling. So usually I have a bit of a backlog of episodes for Reframe Your Life. I've been trying to get ahead of the game and have two or three ready to go. And what happened was that week he got sick. I had that one episode, I uploaded it, and had no idea that I wouldn't get back to recording an episode for weeks. However, I did what I could do and I decided to just take a break from things and do a little of my own reframing and think about the things that I needed to focus on. And I wanna share with you how Reframe Your Life helped me in that process. One of the first things I did was to decide what I needed to do to feel like I was still functioning. I committed to sleeping eight hours every night and walking every day. Those are two things that I know if I don't do, I start to really unravel quite quickly and my resilience drops. I'd like to say I ate well, but between work and hospital visits, and taking on all of the stuff around the house that Brian usually does, I often defaulted to comfort food. And I really didn't worry about it. I felt like it was gonna be a short-term thing and I wanted to make life easier for me and grocery shopping and cooking and layering that into my schedule felt overwhelming to me. So I let it go. I did try to stick with my newsletter. So if you get my newsletter, you already know some of this story. And if you're not, you can sign up at sandyreynolds.com and then you'll know these things in advance. 
I'm grateful to friends who showed up for me. The Reframe Your Life model is all about reflecting on your life so that you can get a clear view of your reality and what you need to do to achieve your goals, or in my case, just to survive. You then realign or adjust as needed. And of course, all of this happens in the context of supportive relationships. And I'm so thankful for the people in my life who were so supportive in the past two months. So if you were wondering where I was and what happened, now you know. And I want to get on with today's episode 102. But first, before I get on to today's episode, I want to share something with you. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you wish you could honor in some way, but you weren't sure how? It might be a defining moment, a life event that was so significant that you think of your life in terms of before that event or after that event. Maybe it was a milestone birthday, becoming a mother or a grandmother, getting divorced, surviving cancer treatment, becoming a widow, losing a pet or something else. Something happened and you're now in a different place. You no longer feel like you're the same person and you wish there was a way to honor it. I've been doing a lot of research in this area and I've put together a three-part course that you can do online. I'm calling it Sacred Rituals and it is a self-directed course. I'll be offering it starting on June 15th with the first lesson and you'll receive the next two lessons in the weeks that follow. I learned that the average person spends $80 on a night out with their friends. And often those nights are fun, but they don't address the real issue or this need to mark our life events. So for less than a night out with your friends, you can get this course. It includes audio files, PDF, workbook for you to work through a ritual or an event in your life and create a ritual for it and everything that I think you need to mark a milestone in your life. You can check it all out on my website, sandyreynolds.com rituals. So let's get on with the show, as they say. Today, my guest is Tracy Nichols, and she has been so gracious. I had to reschedule recording this episode with her twice during the last few months because of everything that was going on. Tracy is a business coach and mentor, an aromatherapist, a poet, and a rebel crone. Quietly fierce and offbeat with a love for puns, the worse the better, she knows in her bones that if sensitive, introverted, crone-aged women can understand the unique perspectives they bring, they will discover deep layers of courage and confidence and belonging and then they can change the world. Based among the oaks and the sycamores of the northeastern U.S., Tracy brings her unique perspective of being a highly sensitive, introverted, and multi-potentialed crone to helping women like her through the wild and unpredictable borderlines of the deep change of life and business transitions. She's the founder of TracyNichols.com, Essential Now and Rebel Crone Rising. She currently contributes to Kind Over Matter and I interviewed uh, Lara from Kind Over Matter on a past episode and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. 
and she contributes to Journey of the Heart, Women's Spiritual Poetry. Tracy is an excellent writer. Her newsletter, Notes from the Field, is one of my favorite newsletters. I look forward to getting that in my inbox each month. And I think you'll enjoy this episode. I know that I have given a lot of thought to the idea of aging and how I want to show up in my life as I mature. And I love her idea and this phrase, rebel crone rising. Tracy, it's been a long time coming, this interview. And I first want to thank you for your patience and flexibility in rescheduling this because of some of the things I've had going on in my life. And I want to welcome you to Reframe Your Life. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I loved when you reached out on Instagram to to invite me to be here. And, you know, life happens and the timing is going to be perfect. So Yes. And, you know, I don't even know how I first connected with you on Instagram. I... I was thinking maybe it was through Kind Over Matter because um, I had Laura Heacock on Reframe Your Life. Oh, okay. And um, I'm not sure, but I just remember reading your posts and following you and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna, I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I really <laughs> love what you're doing. I'm excited about some of the synergies I see in what we do. So I like to start with talking about reframing, and I'm guessing that you can probably think of an experience in your life that I would call a reframe your life moment, a time when you realize that you needed to look at something through a very different lens than you were looking at it through. Can you think of a story that relates to that? Goodness. (laughs) Just one. Just one. (laughs) one. (laughs) So I think the most I'll pick the most recent one, which um, interestingly, okay, honestly happened yesterday morning while I was standing in in the bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror. (laughs) And, and I had one of those moments where, you know, one of those random questions that happened, or at least for me floated into my head. And it was, well, what do I really want to leave as my, my legacy? And that came to my mind, because my parents were visiting. Because, you know, for the past year, my mother had a brain injury a year ago, which was, I think, what catalyzed a year's worth of reframing, of deepening into a different perspective, of looking at my life from the perspective of, okay, well, if something like this happens to me, what do I want to have left behind? And so yesterday morning, it came to me that, that what I really want to leave behind is a body of work that's focused around the writing that I do, the poetry that I do, the conversations with my body, conversations with place, things that that allow women like me to have a moment of insight, but that's gentle um, and well-supported, and that allows people to kind of breathe into seeing themselves in their world in a new way. So that's, when you, when you propose that question, I, that was the thing that came, I came up with, was just this, you know, bathroom mirror moment of, you know, what do I really want to leave behind? So that sounds like there's a shift coming maybe for you then in your work or is Not it just clarifying? Yeah, I think it's clarifying. It's clarifying a couple of things. I mean, my work is, you know, is, is coaching based, but, but it involves a tremendous amount of writing. So I think the only shift that I see coming is within my own life, focusing more on the writing and doing more of it um, 
or organizing what I've done because I have a giant body of work that's never been published and then moving that out into the world. So I have a secondary goal beyond my coaching business, which is to, you know, to publish um, a book of poetry. So hopefully that will be something I'm working on in 2020. I think that for me anyway, and then, and I know um, for other women, there's this thinking that once you have adult children, you'll have lots of time to (laughs) pursue all the things that you want to do in your life. And uh, I have a a daughter who has, is, has two preschoolers. And uh, I know she looks at me and thinks I have all the time (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, kind of a myth or just not a reality for most women who are in our stage of life and so when you talked about that I was thinking about that focus and that clarity and just a personal question because I know I'm always looking for insight on how people carve out time and space in their busy lives for their own work so do you have any practices there? So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> the whole myth of, you know, suddenly we have so much time when the adult children aren't around. Oh my goodness. I think the practice becomes one of an internal reorientation of my attention, almost how I allocate my energy. So I move into my day beginning with the question, <clears throat> what can I do today? You know, what can I write today? Is there a poem that wants to emerge? Um, You know, am I, as I'm sitting down and doing my daily writing, you know, what's there? Is it something that wants to be developed? And so creating those moments of sacred space that come first, that are sort of inviolate space, um, that becomes the practice. I'm not one of those people who's very good at kind of a daily, every day, it's the same thing kind of practice. It's more the mindset of what am I, going to allocate my energy to and therefore what am I either saying no to or saying not now to I like that yeah (laughs) I like that that's that where you just ended that what you know so what am I going to say no to Mm -hmm. and what am I going to say yes to in my day I think that when we go into our days no matter whether we're planners or not planners Mm -hmm. we're always saying yes to something and no to something else yeah, I think that's a really good consideration for, for people. Mm-hmm. So I have tons of questions for you because I've been all over your website. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I love your website. Thank and you. one of the things that I really like about what you're doing is that you have all of these aspects of yourself that you've managed to put into one brand. Mm-hmm. And so you are a coach a rebel crone, and we're going to spend some time talking about that, a poet, and an aromatherapist. And I know you use this word multi-potentialite. And so can you just explain that a little bit to us and then how you've come to a place where you are integrating all these very disparate in some ways or different aspects Mm -hmm. of yourself into one brand? Okay, so multi-potentialite or multi-potential is actually a word that emerges out of um, education theory when they're talking about children who are gifted. Um, But I think it's used in a much broader sense now. There's people who have talked about being multi-potential in a couple of different ways, but essentially being multi-potential means you have the capacity to be successful at many different things 
and and it can also mean that that your ability or your willingness to focus on one thing like pick one thing and stick with it that's just not in your vocabulary it's not in my dna i am continually moving through different iterations of myself and focusing on different things um so barbara share calls us scanners um, Margaret Lobenstein called us Renaissance souls. There's a great book called The Renaissance Soul out there. People are, you know, feeling like they might be multi-potential. Multi That's a good read um, and really helpful. Um, and then um, Emily Wapnick has her site, Putty Like, which is all about what she calls um, multipods. So it's basically identifying that you are one of those people who can't pick one thing and stick with it. You know, you're not a Mozart. <laughs> Um, you know, there are people who can, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm more of a Leonardo da Vinci than a Mozart. What that means is in my business, even though I have desperately tried in the past to pick one thing and foreground it, it just never works. So I finally threw up my hands and said, I'm just going to embrace it all. And so the way that I weave it all together is I'm just alive in the moment to what the person I'm working with needs. And if what they need is coaching and mentoring, then, I mean, obviously that's the kind of the, the basics and that's grounded in, in my master's degree in transformative learning and change, which is about, you know, basically human transformation, you know, so we grounded in that, but then, you know, if essential oils, which can really help us with emotional and mental states can help, then, you know, we'll get them, you know, get a blend into their hands. If, if playing with poetry, if letting their minds circumvent you know kind of the the monkey mind or the rigid intellectualism that, that can happen or you know other people's voices if we can access that by experimenting with a little free-range poetry or wordscaping you know whether i write it or they write it then that becomes an important thing to do you know and a rebel crone that's just that's just me <laughs> being a 57 year old woman who's like i'm sorry i am not going to be invisible or ever young or you know <laughs> some you know disappear into being the perfect grandma that's just that's just not me so that's the rebel chrome piece um you know and i find that there are women who are my age or or you know it's really interesting i'm finding women as young as 40 who are really really responding to the idea because because looking ahead they they also don't want the whole you know what the culture prescribes as you know is supposed to happen when you age so hopefully I've answered your question, but yeah, you, you definitely have. And uh, you've kind of touched a little bit on how you've integrated them or you have touched that. And I, I'm really, I'd like to talk more about the rebel crone because that is something that appeals to me. And so I'm 60, just turned mm -hmm. 60 this year. And prior to, you know, in my mid fifties, I started thinking about what's this aging thing look like? How do I want to, uh, age kind of consciously like how do I want to think about this for myself because the messages are either you know you pursue the fountain of youth like you see you know women who have really are chasing down that denial of aging and and fearing it and then like you said there's that just uh retiring into and becoming invisible which also mm -hmm. didn't appeal to me at all <laughs> I remember years ago, like I was probably in my 30s talking to a woman who was around 70. And she said to me, um, as you get older, you become more invisible. And I remember, like, it just always stuck with me because I thought, that's not really 
appealing. Like I get, I don't know how she meant that. Like if, if she meant you become invisible to men or you just become invisible in your life, because I think mm -hmm. sometimes that they go hand in hand for people, but I definitely don't see myself as someone who wants to just become invisible because of a number on a, you know, birth certificate. And I feel like I've earned a lot of wisdom. You know, I think there's a lot in here that, and a lot of life experience that I have to offer and to, to share with the world. Like, I don't feel like I'm done with my using my gifts in the world. So tell us about this rebel crone work that you're doing. And, and I think there's probably a lot of people who are going to say, I, I want to be a rebel crone. Well, one quick story before I dive into sort of the definition of rebel crone, but <clears throat> I'd written a couple of social media posts and, and um, a lovely woman who's, she's just fantastic, Ellie Trier. She, she said she was telling other people about being a rebel crone. And I think Ellie is probably in her early forties and she was telling, you know, women her age about it. And they were kept telling her, we want to be rebel crones when we grow up. And, <laughs> and so I had this simultaneous response of yay, and then also how tragic that, you know, that we have to look forward to rebelling against the culture in order to be who we are when we age. Mm. Um, and I think that really becomes sort of the crux, that, that push-pull or, you know, that lost in space kind of place that, you know, that we have, that there aren't currently many good examples of you know, how to deepen into your years and really, really <clears throat> be the rich, complex human being that you are, whether you're male or female. I mean, I think aging, you know, becomes an issue for men as well, although usually, as, you know, when they're older than women are, but rebel crone rising is kind of the child of my anarchist heart, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's a, a response to being, you know, having tumbled head over heels in love with women's voices and the power of women's voices to create change. You know, back when I was in grad school, that was, that was kind of the result I came out with. Um, and so I've been passionately supporting and advocating for and working with women, you know, for the past decade around finding your voice, raising your voice, um, discovering your equilibrium in the world, um, you know, shifting your perspective and your worldview so that you expand an understanding of who you are and how you're embedded in your culture. Um, and so Rebel Crone Rising is about that for women of deepening years. It's about tapping into that part of ourselves that, you know, okay, so yeah, here I am, I'm 57 years old. Do I choose invisibility? No. Do I choose being ever youthful? Not for me. Do I choose to fade into a cultural stereotype and, you know, I don't know, become a squishy round grandmother? I mean, I, and I think squishy round grandmothers are great if that's your choice. And the answer to all of those questions was no. I choose to become more of who I am and to begin to share and reflect and engage this, you know, this woman who has 57 years of experience and who has a complex relational thought pattern and who has a perspective on the world that is utterly unique. I mean, each of us do because our perspective is, you know, our life experience plus our personality plus, you know, all of those things. And I just know that 
all of who I am and what I am can be of use to the world. And that's, that is the same for every other woman out there. And so to lose so many voices and so much deep perspective and so much innovative thinking and creativity be, simply because there's a number at which point we were supposed to become invisible and silent. No. Yes. I wrote something on my website that's kind of at the top of, of the one page and it says, you know, the patriarchy and ageists want us to feel small and silent and alone. Let's disappoint them. And so that pretty much <laughs> describes the point of rebel crone rising and, and kind of the, the impetus behind it. And I think, well, I, I'm uh, living in Canada, which feels like a very different environment politically than um, the U.S. these days. But I think there's just such a need for women of our generation, our age, to really step into owning that re rebel and mm -hmm. pushing back and reclaiming some of these issues around women and advocating for uh, some of the decisions that are being made about women right now and women's bodies and women's choices. And I agree with you that if we just remain silent and kind of drift off into this place where we are comfortable and I think that's partly what it is, you know, mm -hmm. just become comfortable and don't continue to sort of push ourselves, then we do a disservice to other women behind us and into the culture. It's funny, I just saw a quote. I'm sure you've read Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Have you read that? I shouldn't say a I'm A long sure. time ago, yes. <laughs> yes, a long time ago is right. It came out in the 80s, I think, yes. or early 90s. And um, I just reread it. And mm -hmm. Um, I was going through some notes and I found this quote I wrote and it said, one of the primary forms resistance takes is trivialization. Mm. And I, I was thinking of that in terms of um, how easy it is to just focus on trivial things in our lives. And th that can be, you know, something that I need to, to work on because there's power when we come together, which I think is partly what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, well, two things came to mind when you were talking about that. There's, there's an interesting conversation, I think, and I don't know if we need to have it here, but to be had around, around the idea of how much energy do we have? How much energy can we put out? Um, you know, because, because an aging body does have a slightly more limited amount of, of um, of energy output, just just because um, we've expended a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> already, and so so sometimes that trivial trivialization or that you know kind of fading, I think for some people can be I'm tired, and that I'm tired can be coming from the intensity of the world that we're engaging with, can come from the intensity of a life lived, um, but it can also <clears throat> I think sometimes come from you know, I've been here on the forefront for a while, I might want to step back a little bit. You know, being very honest and truthful about some of those things can be really important. But again, that comes down to how am I allocating my energy? And where is the important thing? Where are the things that I choose to invest myself into? 
And I lost my train of thought just a tiny bit there because you would, I'm trying to circle back around to the original kind of question that you'd asked. Which was a long rambling question. Which, so. long rambling question. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how my brain works. I start somewhere and then I work right. my way around. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I was asking, I had shared that quote of the dance of the dissident daughter around right. resistance and trivialization mm-hmm. and how I see that in my life. Oh, goodness. And, and I can see that happening in mine. It's easy for me to disappear into, well, for me, it's easy to disappear into, oh, the children need me to do this. The husband needs me to do this. The house needs me to do this. You know, the garden needs me to do this. Rather than saying, today I have, you know, a surge of creative energy. And, okay, focusing it on cleaning the house might be one way to use it. Is there a different way that I might use it, though, that will contribute to raising other women or that will contribute to putting something out in the world that becomes thought-provoking or that becomes supportive, you know, for other women, for other men, for for whoever's out there? Mm -hmm. I think one of the parts of that question that I was wondering about was around pulling women together and... Mm -hmm. Um, how we rally together because of that feeling like, well, what can I do? And Exactly. I think that's a really, really important thing because, yeah, going alone certainly isn't necessarily an option for most people. Um, And yet it is an option that women are often, it's one of our first go-tos, I think, when you talk to women that that we're we're supposed to sort of go it alone and and just buckle down, stiff up, stiff stiff upper lip, couldn't say that, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, move through because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, So yeah. And in creating Rebel Crone Rising, it's, it's the hope or the dream there is that it will become a truly thriving ecosystem, you know, of women who are learning together, who are supporting each other, who are trying new things, who are creative, creating, innovating, and basically bringing their unique perspectives and their unique dreams and, and, and all that is them into a world that might otherwise have lost those contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about bringing together women in different ways, so structured ways and unstructured ways um, to give us all kinds of different ways to connect with each other. Because I think when we when we can connect, and I do this connecting virtually because for introverts and for highly sensitive people, virtual connecting can actually make being in groups of people easier. That's what yes. I, do. I do it that way. But, but yes, any way that women can come together in community, in circles, in conversation, to know they're not alone, to find a sense of belonging um, you know, together, and then to co-learn and support and, you know, and cheer on and, um, (laughs) and, you know, call out a little bit, you know? (laughs) Yes. So you mentioned a little bit about aromatherapy and I, and how you incorporate that in your work. And I was wondering if there's a blend for the (laughs) rebel crone. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I mean, there are things that can help kind of, you know, create fire and movement. Um, So certainly there are things that can do that. But each, okay, so this is primarily me, and this is a little bit outside the the realm of sort of traditional 
how aromatherapy is traditionally practiced. So you're a rebel crone aromatherapist. I, I love rebel it. Crone, yes, I'm <laughs> a bit of an, <laughs> an anarchist with my aromatherapy. But to me, what's happening is we're creating a relationship with the plants. And so each woman will have a different group of plant allies that are her kind of community of plant world support when she, and, and it really depends on what, what each woman needs to rise. Like some of us might need creative encouragement. Some of us might need, you know, help being physically energetic. Some might need something that helps um, courage rise or confidence rise or um, so really, you know, how are we defining rising and what do we need in the moment um, in order to catalyze that or support it? Um, so in, I mean, if you want to experiment, I think one of the, one of the, the essential oils that comes up very regularly um, for people is cinnamon. It tends to be very warming and very invigorating. Um, but it also has an, has an element of comfort to it because so many of us associate it with, you know, like baked things that, you know, that are, it can be one of those, those scents that, you know, in the moment can bring a little bit of, of a rise to, to whatever's going on. The other thing that I find myself often using a lot are trees. So any of the fir, Douglas fir and pinyon pine and um, Palo Santo, which is a, a South American tree, frankincense, all of them tend to ground people in resilience and in being able to sort of stand straight, you know, and, and endure whatever is thrown our way. If you think about trees, they tend to kind of move with whatever comes at them. Um, so those can be very good rising kind of sense. I love that. <laughs> so in your work, in your coaching practice, then you will help women to identify some of these or help them to experiment and discover these? Absolutely. If that's what they choose. I mean, some people are not drawn to aromatherapy, so we don't go there, but, but anyone who is drawn to scent or who isn't, is curious about the plant world or plant allies, we definitely, definitely include that in the discussion. Yeah, I love that. I think it's very holistic approach mm. to, you know, coaching. I think sometimes we, it, you know, it's just very cognitive Right. And we spend a lot of time in our heads anyway. So <laughs> I like the um, idea of incorporating something different into that. Yeah. Also wanted to talk to you a little bit about values, because I imagine as a coach and working with women, that's something that you do. I think it's kind of foundational in our work. Mm -hmm. And um, in my work, I, I call my work helping people live a soul-centered life. So really mm -hmm. tapping into what's deepest within them. I think there's, this is where the alignment in our work comes from mm -hmm. or is. And um, so I, I was wondering for you, uh, what practices you have in helping people or in your own life finding this alignment. So I think that's where knowing your values can take some time and effort, but we generally get them. Mm -hmm. um, but the alignment piece is where most of us struggle. Right. So knowing what your values are, you're right, is one thing. But then sticking with them or remembering them or reconnecting with them when life throws us a curveball, that can be so challenging. Um, so in terms of, I mean, and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, anytime we can climb out of our heads and into our bodies, we're 
in, in my experience, we're going to have a much easier time connecting with our self, kind of capital S self, mm -hmm. um, and reconnecting into our values and things that have the deepest meaning for us. So I, one of the simplest practices that I have people do or suggest people do all the time is, it's, and I mean, it's really simple. It's place your hand on your heart and take three to six deep breaths. And when I say deep, I mean, in a measure that makes sense for you. You're not trying to hyperventilate and fall off your chair. You're just <laughs> trying to, you know, oxygenate. And, and as you're taking these breaths to focus very, very specifically on the sensation of the breath moving in and out of your body. And, and that brings you back into the state of centeredness. It can bring you back into a state of, you know, of being right there present with your body. And from that place, you can then ask yourself, what's the truth here? Or what do I need to be in contact with? Or, oh, heavens, help me. Because <laughs> in, some, in some cases, it's an inarticulate, you know, for me, just kind of cry to the core of myself saying, help, you know. And, and then, you know, my presence, and again, cap, sort of capital S self, will, will come to the fore and become the loudest voice in whatever, you know, chaos is going on. Um, so that's one thing that I do, which is I, I find for me, it's important to have sort of in the moment things that I can do quietly and unobtrusively, because if I'm out among people, I don't necessarily, you know, and I can't withdraw. I'm highly sensitive. So the world easily overwhelms me. So that's one of the things that I do is just that kind of calling into my own body rapidly in the moment. And I've also developed practices of, I use nature, not use, but I have a relationship with the natural world that allows me to recenter and to recover my perspective. So to have a sense of belonging. Okay, I know I belong here in this ecosystem. I feel at home. My body relaxes. A lot of the clamor dies away. I remember that, you know, I do have a place here and I'm just one, one tiny bit in this larger thriving ecosystem. And therefore, whatever's going on becomes less loud. And then I'm connected to the values and the, and the, the ground of me um, more clearly. So those are just two simple things yeah. I do. Those are great. I like that. This week I had sort of this general anxiety. Like I just, I felt anxious. And so somebody asked me like, where is, where are you feeling the anxiety? Right. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, so, just, <laughs> so I did, I just stopped and I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm just like feeling it like in my chest mm -hmm. and then just that stopping and putting my hand there and breathing was so helpful. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think we just keep going, you know, we're just like, Oh, I'm feeling anxious. So just we stopping do. and is a good practice. Right. I think just being with it was good. I, yeah. I think sometimes we get caught up in the whole, I need to understand this. I need to you know, pull it apart and understand where it came from, or you're right, solve it. Um, but that's not the point. It's, oh, I have a friend who's a somatic therapist, and she's, her question is, where is that living in your body? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I ask myself that question all the time. Okay, so where's that living in your body? And then, you know, breathing with it or around it and allowing it to, you know, to not become, because I think sometimes if it's just living there, it becomes so much louder because we're trying so hard to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Good words. Yes. 
So my final question is, uh, how do you think we can live soul-centered lives? And maybe you've answered that. Mm. Um, and I, I hear you use the word self with a capital S. And mm. when I refer to soul, I refer to, you know, that which is deepest within us. So mm. um, how do you think that we can live soul-centered lives? Yeah, I really, I can only speak for myself, but for me, it's about reaffirming that sense of belonging through my connection with the natural world. So I clearly understand every day that I have a reason to be here. I have a right to be here and I have a purpose for being here. So that, that for me, that reminder is essential. And then, and then quietly connecting with that deepest place in myself through all the cacophony of imposed voices and things like that, um, that becomes the essential piece. So whether that's your meditative practice or whether you're walking or something along those lines, that's what happens. Thank you. And I, I have seen you model so much of this in the last few months, both in your sharing of yourself online, but also in the way that you've approached my crisis and needing to reschedule with such grace and generosity. So I, I want to thank you for your time and your grace in just allowing me to not feel additional pressure in my life with all the things that were going on. I know that people will want to get a hold of you and find out more about Rebel Crone Rising and <laughs> about your aromatherapy and read your poetry. And I love your newsletter. I get a number of newsletters and your notes from the field is so well written and I always enjoy reading it. So I'm sure people will want to sign up for that as well. So how do they get in touch with you? Thank you. Goodness, I'm all teary. Um, <laughs> so the best way to do that is, is to go to my website, tracynichols.com. Um, and at the bottom of the page, you can sign up for the, for the notes from the field newsletter. And I think that's the best way for people to be in touch with me because so much of what I do comes through my writing. And that newsletter is, is really a point of contact that I treasure with people. And I love when people write back to me. That's the best in the world. Um, and they can, of course, reach me on, on Instagram and Facebook. And I know you'll have the links um, to those. Um, Instagram, probably more than Facebook, um, is a good way to, to be in touch and to follow what I'm doing. So great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to following you and joining you in the Rebel Crone Rising. No, thank you very much, Sandy. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, leave me a comment or a rating on iTunes, share this episode on your social media feed, and follow me on Instagram at Sandy A. Reynolds. If you're interested in knowing more about my products and services, drop by my website, sandyreynolds.com, and get the latest on how you can live a soul-centered life.